Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about sexual performance anxiety in our show. But before we start our topic, I just wanted to remind you all that for the remainder of this month, I'm offering a reduced fee sex therapy counseling in my practice. You can come into my either of my offices. I have two offices now, one in Torrance, one in Hermosa Beach in LA, or we can do it via HIPAA compliant confidential video counseling tool that I can use, which is super easy for all of us. So even if you're living outside United States, we can work together. If you want to book an appointment or learn more about this offer, you can call me at 310-600-9912. Again, the number is 310-600-9912. And I leave this number in the show notes in case you don't have pen and pencil handy. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about sexual performance anxiety. What is sexual performance anxiety? How it might be different among men and women? What are some of the common causes that people might experience sexual performance anxiety? What And what we can do to address it? Our guest today is Dr. Claudia Six. She has 25 years as a practicing clinical psychologist and is a successful sex therapist who has helped thousands of people find their authentic selves and enjoy a more fulfilling relationship. Her approach is unique and her style is warmly engaging, putting her clients and workshop at ease. 
Her credentials include an MA in counseling psychology and a PhD in clinical sexology, and she's a board-certified clinical sexologist by the American Board of Sexology. She's also a professor at USF, where she teaches graduate students about sexology. Her book, Erotic Integrity, How to Be True to Yourself Sexually, was published last year by She Writes Press. Here is my conversation with Dr. Claudia Six. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, our guest today is Dr. Claudia Six. She's a clinical sexologist and author of Erotic Integrity. And I am so excited to have her on our show today to talk about sexual performance anxiety. Dr. Six, welcome to our show. Thank you. My pleasure. So Dr. Six, she has been very gracious. What happened that we had this wonderful conversation previous week, and I was super excited, and we had this technology problem. And she was so kind that she accepted to come back. So thank you so much for that. Well, you know, Nazanin, as I said to you, it's just like sex. Sometimes things don't go the way you plan and you just got to roll with it. <laughs> and it was like that, that comment, Bride and Mighty, I was laughing for five minutes. <laughs> so thank you so much for your humor. Sure. And I'm, I'm going to talk about checking with you about the sexual performance anxiety. The, the way I got kind of aware of your TED Talk was through one of our colleagues, and she mentioned that you got to check this video out, and I'll put it on the show note. And you talk about sexual performance anxiety from a different perspective than what I usually hear from. And that's why I said, oh, I got, we got to have her in our show. So how do you define sexual performance anxiety? I use performance anxiety as an umbrella term for all the ways that we get in our own way sexually. So whether for men it's difficulty getting an erection or keeping an erection or difficulty ejaculating and orgasming sooner than you'd like or not being able to orgasm. Or for women, same thing, trouble getting aroused, staying aroused, um, allowing yourself to orgasm. I put all this under the umbrella term of performance anxiety. And actually, I kind of, you know, take some of the heaviness out of it. I call it garden variety performance anxiety because it really it happens to most of us at some point. It's not terminal, but really it impacts most people. And the, the way that I have a slightly different take on performance anxiety, maybe you're going to ask me that next. Maybe I'm ahead of you. I'm premature. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Please go ahead. I wanted to hear about like women and men differences and sexual performance anxiety because what I'm curious, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that because I often hear it about in the context of men. So please yeah. let us know about how, how it might manifest in women. Well, in my 25 years of clinical practice, so many women come in and, and you know, with various, you know, sexual issues, and, and I, I end up telling them, you know, it's like, you know, this sounds to me like garden variety performance anxiety. So we think of performance anxiety as just pertaining to men, but actually it applies to women just as much. It just looks different. So the way it shows up in women is... You know, I always say men are like microwaves, women are like crock pots. 
when it comes to arousal because guys get turned on pretty quickly. And, you know, for most of us women, it takes a little while to get turned on. And women worry about that. They get anxious about, the you know, assuming a heterosexual model just for the sake of this conversation, although this applies to all, you know, all genders, all relationship combinations. I mean, women get anxious about their partner losing interest or thinking they're frigid or getting bored or, you know, not wanting to have sex with them anymore because they're not getting aroused quickly enough. But women don't get aroused quickly. So what women do is they tend to engage in intercourse sooner than their body is actually ready for. And, you know, they end up with what what happens is because they're not that aroused to begin with, they don't get as much out of it. They might have difficulty reaching orgasm. And because they're not getting so much out of it, they might not be in a big hurry to do it again. And then they might end up thinking they have desire problems. And, they, you know, the guy might take it personally and think he's not a good enough lover. And all these problems ensue when, in fact, all it is is just garden variety performance anxiety. And I love that when you mentioned that it's normal for women to kind of take a while for them, for some women to get aroused. And sometimes I feel that they get disappointed, as you mentioned, their partners getting disappointed. They feel it's something wrong with them and just they kind of give up on sex and that can impact their relationship and also their self-esteem. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, women tend to think they're, you know, they tend to they come into sex therapy. They think they're broken. It's like one of the first things I tell people is you are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. Nobody's wrong. Nobody's bad. There's a way that this makes perfect sense because the difficulties that people have sexually always make perfect sense. Right. And I feel there are uh, times, there are going to be times that people are going to be anxious for other reason and it might impact their uh, sexual performance because I, I see that like, like even for my younger clients, they're like younger, they get panic when like once they have a challenge and they think now they have this, they're defective or broken as you mentioned. But it sounds like it's kind of normal for us to be a different part as far as our excitement, as far as arousal during different periods of our time. Yes, and you used the key word, which is normal, which is actually a word every single person who comes to see me wants to know if they're normal. And what I tell them is, I don't care if you're normal. I only care about whether what you're doing works for you or not. So I don't care what the neighbors are doing or what you think they're doing or what, you know, Cosmopolitan Magazine says everybody else is doing. I only care about whether your sex life is working for you. So that's, that's what we talk about. Right. And I feel that, uh, I know we talked about it before, that one of the challenges are lack of good sexual educations, because I feel that people, we don't talk about it in the families, the schools, sometimes they don't have good sex ed. So they go to pornography or magazines in order to get sex education and the information that they get, it's not accurate because it's not a, like a sex ed material and they get disappointed when they're not fitting this unrealistic expectation. Yes. You know, I, I, it's crazy that you can have your mouth on somebody's genitals and not be able to talk to them about it. So there's a lot of information on the internet, which is not necessarily the information that people need. 
And sex ed in schools, I mean, I think it's happening more and more, and it's a lot more sane and informative than it used to be, but it's mostly the plumbing diagram. And I tell people, you don't learn to have sex by watching porn, just like you don't learn to, to drive a car by watching chase scenes in movies. It's entertainment. It's not realistic. And also in porn, you've got like, you know, one scene and multiple cameras capturing the same scene from different angles. So it looks like people are lasting. It looks like the guys are lasting a lot longer than they really are. And, and often in porn, the women don't really look like they're enjoying themselves. So, I mean, that's a stereotype, but unfortunately, that's what happens a lot. So, yeah, porn definitely sets unrealistic expectations. Right. And the other thing that I see in pornography is that, you know, like they start, like the scene starts and they kind of go straight to penetration with minimal kind of any kind of like foreplay. And I feel like it is just gives people this again, unrealistic expectation about how long it might take a woman to feel aroused. And women think, okay, I need, if I'm, if I'm not ready within like five minutes, what's wrong with me? And I think that's another challenge that many yeah, people and, experience. And based on, it's more like if I'm not turned on after five minutes of giving him a blowjob, what's wrong with me? Because that's <laughs> what porn shows. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So what are some of the common causes that you hear people experience sexual performance anxiety? Worrying about not being enough, not being settled into their body, not being confident about, you know, how, how they look or what their body is going to do. You have to know, again, it's not very sexy, but all the difficulties that people have make perfect sense. So it's like if you're not getting aroused, it's because you're not getting the stimulus you need or you're with somebody you shouldn't be with in the first place or you're anxious or you're not in a, a venue that's conducive, or you're like, you know, in the backseat of a car, or, you know, and, you know, you need, you, you need optimal circumstances is one thing I talk to people about. If you're going to have sex, set, set yourself up for optimal circumstances. Make sure you're warm enough, make sure you're comfortable, you know, make sure it's private, make sure you have plenty of time. I mean, unless you get turned on by, you know, danger, but that's a whole nother conversation. Performance anxiety is just, you know, caused by people worrying and not trusting that they are enough and not trusting that, that their partner will handle themselves regardless of what happens with them. That if they don't get turned on, not trusting that their partner is going to say, oh, baby, it's okay, don't worry about it, let's just hold each other or, you know, baby, what do you need or you know, baby, take your time or, you know, that kind of thing. People just get anxious. We're humans are anxious creatures. Right. And I think one challenge that gets in the way of couple reaching out to each other saying that like, baby, it's okay. Why are you worried? Then I see uh, sometimes one of the partner kind of internalize that. That's why she's not or he's not turned on. Maybe there's something about me and they get defensive. Yeah. Yeah, people take it personally. It is not personal. It feels very personal. It definitely feels very personal and vulnerable, but it is not personal. 
All right, one, one other thing that I noticed that sometimes, especially I see that in my female clients is that, you know, there are things going on outside the bedroom, makes them super anxious. They have a high uh, stress job or there's some other stuff in their life and it kind of drag into their bedroom and it's just hard for them to experience any kind of arousal. Do you have any recommendation as how can people address those issues so they wouldn't inter- to interfere with their sex life? Well, men tend to compartmentalize better than women. And women, you know, especially if they have kids, you know, are thinking about, you know, I haven't packed a lunch for tomorrow. I haven't mopped the floor. I still got to do this report for work. The women have a harder time disconnecting from the list of tasks to, you know, get it on with their partner. So I would say, you know, talk about picking a time that works for both of you or agree to make it a quickie or agree to take the time that you're going to need and maybe take a hot tub or take a bubble bath by yourself and get into your body and focus, you know, get, get into that mood, get into a frame of mind. Definitely take a shower because water sort of helps people it sounds very woo-woo, but sort of remove the energy of whatever they've been doing before and kind of start fresh. So I tell men and women this. It's like when you get home from work in the evening, take a shower and change your clothes, and it shifts your frame of mind. I love that. Um, yeah, find, find ways to center yourself. Or ask for help and say, hey, honey, I've got these five more chores. You know, how about you do two of them? I'll do three of them. Let's just pound this out. And then we can get it on and I can give you my undivided attention. You just got to open your mouth and talk about what it is that you need. And just because your partner is like, hey, baby, you know, doesn't doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good time for you. But you don't want to cut them off at the knees. You don't want to just shut them down and reject them. It's like if you're not available then you need to be able to say, well, you know what, I I can't right now, honey, but I like how you're thinking. And, you know, I'll get back to you in half an hour or something. I really appreciate that because I feel it helps with the rejection piece because many of the couples that I see in my practice, they're long-term couples. So it's not like they don't like each other. You know, they're like, you know, they had this, they still have the attraction, but they feel so overwhelmed. And sometimes we say like, you know, I don't want it right now. And the partner feels so rejected that they don't want to approach the partner the next time or the wife or husband the next time because they feel injured. But with offering another time that maybe not right now, but in 30 minutes, but or maybe tomorrow, it at least you leave the door open for future pursue and conversation. Yeah, it's just kinder, more compassionate communication. Right. And it's so challenging for people to talk about sexual, any kind of sexual challenges or sexual performance anxiety. Sometimes I see that people, for example, male have, they have an issue once and they kind of avoid having sex because they, they don't want to recreate the scene, which was very shameful for them. So what do you recommend as far as communication around those issues when it comes to the like sexual problems? Well, one thing I can say is men are win-lose creatures. Every, every situation is experienced as a win or a lose. And it's not an I win, you lose. It's a success or failure kind of thing. 
And if a man is not anticipating success in a particular endeavor, he is less likely to engage in it. Women's brains are different. They're not good or bad or better. It's just different. And this is how men's brains work. And so a wise woman will invite or get, find a way to give the guy a win. Like if, like I just said, you know, if she's not available for sex right then, don't just shut him down. Say, you know what, I like how you're thinking, honey. That's a great idea. You know, I'm really looking forward to this. Like give the guy a win. Give him a yes. And, you know, I'll get back to you later. But a woman needs to invite and if a woman is consistently turning her guy down, he's going to take that as a, a lose, 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 lose. And guys need a lot of wins in the bank to tolerate some loses. And some guys are more resilient than others. But a wise woman will find a way to give her guy the win. And that doesn't mean, you know, just have sex with him when you're not in the mood. It's like, you know, honey, thank you so much for, you know, lighting the candles. It really sets the tone. Or, you know, thank you for putting Barry White on the stereo. Or thank you for initiating. Or, you know, honey, you look so good. Or, you know, find a way to give him some, some positive reinforcement. So the guy then feels motivated to, you know, to continue initiating sex because th there's a win there. There's a yes. Right. And I, I think it's important for, it's a very good marital practice to like acknowledge each other for the even small good things that each partner does because, you know, sometimes we're thinking, oh, she knows or he knows how much I appreciate this. But then saying it, it's sometimes oh, yeah. very validating. Yeah, sometimes people say, oh, well, that goes without saying. I'm like, no, it does not go without saying. You got to say it. You got to open your mouth. I mean, one common complaint that I get, especially with couples with kids, because there's so much more going on, is that people feel unappreciated and find things to appreciate. Uh, you know, every day may sound a little corny, but like, thanks for putting the kids' toys away. Thanks for bringing me coffee. Thanks for, you know, taking care of the pool. Thanks for taking out the garbage. Thanks for making a dinner reservation. Thanks for booking the sitter. Just the little things, you know, thanks for, you know, clearing the table, whatever it is. Don't take it for granted and don't assume that your partner is going to do it and don't assume they feel appreciated. Right. And I think it's just, it's important for the couple to kind of like talk about it, as you mentioned about when there is a challenges. And if we have enough, as you mentioned, money in the bank within our relationship and the relationship that can be very helpful to kind of address the issues. And sometimes it just, it's important to kind of acknowledge the problem because I feel sometimes people want to put it underneath the rug and kind of swipe it and say like, you know, we're not going to try it. So what do you think, when would be the good time for people to seek professional help when they're struggling with this issue? When you start to get uncomfortable about it and you feel like you don't know how to have the conversation or you're not having the conversation successfully, don't wait until you're in crisis. I tell people relationship maintenance is so important. It's like you change the oil in your car, you get your teeth cleaned, maintain your relationship. Don't relationships do not go on automatic pilot you cannot be complacent and if you're aware that there's a conversation you're avoiding 
or a conversation that you've tried a couple times and has not gone successfully, don't wait until you're fighting. Don't wait until it's really stressful or causing distance between you. Because once distance sets in, it's harder to reestablish contact. So don't wait until there's a lot of distance. Go and talk to a sex therapist. I mean, if your foot hurts, you go see a podiatrist. You know, if your sex life isn't right, go see a sex therapist. And I'm so glad you're mentioning the relationship maintenance because sometimes by the time people want to go to sex therapy, they have like layers and layers of resentment and anger and different acting out behavior that just makes it very difficult to address the primary issues because there are all these traumas on top of that. So I agree with you, the sooner they go, it might be more beneficial. And also I want to, I'm kind of curious to see what kind of individual strategies they can do in order to address their sexual performance anxiety? Well, I would say open your mouth, talk about what's going on. I mean, when you're with your partner, say what's happening, put it on the table because that takes a lot of charge out of it and just say, you know, honey, I'm just realizing I'm, I'm kind of anxious. I'm worried about you getting bored or I'm kind of preoccupied about, you know, the kids or work or my mother-in-law or whatever and I'm just having trouble getting present and could you and then ask for something again ask your, your partner for something they can give you say you know could you hold me can you you know suck my toes could you could we take a bath together um, you know could you massage my back um, you know whatever but open your mouth and give an accurate weather report and say what is true for you Right. Instead of, I know many people, even they go to the, like, to the point of like uh, faking orgasm because they don't want their partner to feel hurt and not competent. And that is not helping the communication. Right. No, that's not being authentic. And that's, ex I mean, you mentioned my book. That's exactly what my book is about is, is knowing who you truly are as a sexual being. I help people figure out what is, what is their true sexuality? What is their true eroticism because people often think they're supposed to be a certain way and then I help people accept what it is that they discover about themselves and most importantly I help people figure out how to express their sexuality authentically how to be true to themselves and in the bedroom and out I mean because when you show up authentically in the bedroom it reflects in, in how you show up in the world. So erotic integrity is not just about what's going on between the sheets. It's about the bigger picture of how you show up in the world. Right. And I think it's very important for people to kind of discover and get in touch with their erotic authenticity and integrity because I feel when we don't know, when we're not in touch with that, we're kind of practicing acting from a false kind of self perspective and we're just not, we're not kind of in touch with our sexuality. So things are not, might not be in the rhythm that's ideal. So it's just very important for people to explore that. Yes. So I know that you have like you, your wealth of great knowledge. I can, I checked out your uh, website. I checked out your uh, TED talk. You have a wonderful book. So if people want to learn more about the topic of erotic integrity and all this great resources that you mentioned, what would be the best way of having access to those information? Go to my website, dr6.net, D-R-S-I-X.net. All the other spellings are porn, which may not disappoint <laughs> you, but it won't get you to my website. I've checked 
So drsix.net or just Google Claudia Six. I'm the only one out there. And um, there's a page about the book, and there's reviews and all the awards, the eight awards that it won, and ways to buy the book. You can get it on Amazon. And there's also my TED Talk is on the homepage. It's just 10 minutes about women's performance anxiety. And there's also little video clips throughout the website about how, you know, desire is different than arousal, little sex tips, communication tips. So there's plenty. And also, there's an erotic integrity quiz. So if you take the erotic integrity quiz, you sign up for my email list and you will get the rare notifications that I send out. And I have modules, erotic integrity modules coming out any day now. So for people who have read the book and want more of Dr. Six and want more about erotic integrity, but don't necessarily live any place they can come see me, they can do the erotic integrity modules online. So if you take the erotic integrity quiz, you'll be notified when those come up. Dr6.net. Awesome. And I'll make sure I, I leave a a link to the show uh, in the show notes to the book to the website i love the book so i'll make i highly recommend people to checking into the reading it and definitely we would love to have you back when the module is out as well oh yes that would be lovely thank you so much for your time you're welcome nazanin keep up the good work thank you I hope you enjoyed our conversation on sexual performance anxiety. I really enjoyed the playful approach of Dr. Six. I think this episode was full of great tips and tricks that you can use in order to address the sexual performance anxiety that you might experience in bedroom. And one thing I encourage to do, no matter where you are as far as the challenges around sexuality, I want you to take at least one action between now till next session to do something to address this challenge. It can be practicing of mindfulness. It could be reading Dr. Six's book. It could be like communicating with your partner. But sometimes I feel because we feel that there is no solution, we get paralyzed and we're not moving forward and we avoid reaching out and finding solutions. So I highly, highly encourage you to think about if you're struggling or if you want to improve something in bedroom, make a commitment today to at least do one thing that you're going to do in order to improve it or dress that challenge. At the end, I wanted to thank one of our listeners, Climbing Mountains from Canada. That was his or her uh, username. She left or he left a very kind review for us on iTunes. I love to hear your thoughts on iTunes. Please leave us an honest review. And please feel free to leave us your questions and comments. You can record it now in our website, Sexology Podcast. There is this blue tab and homepage that says, Ask Dr. M. I'm looking forward to hear your voice. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.